the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Saturday afternoons on KDOW. Welcome in. Rob Black and your money. I'm Rob Black talking all things financial money, investing, and more. Anything you want to talk about, we can talk about. Don't be shy. We can talk money. We can talk investing. We can talk about how to buy a house. We can talk cars, credit, um, how to set up a portfolio, which is something I don't talk all that much about. I do, but I'll talk about it. Um, I'd rather talk about things like cheap stocks that you should take a look at or ways of improving your health. One of the things that I you know, focus in on is you know, jumpstart your retirement plan right now. I think financial advising is something that you have to be honest with yourself on and know that we, we can't from a distance know everything about you. It's impossible. And it's really important to know as much as we can about you. We can talk taxes and retirement. Everyone seems to be different, right? Saving for retirement. Um, you know, I got an email recently from someone who was a 38-year-old single, healthy, no children. Portfolio is $400,000. It's 70% stocks, 25% bonds, 5% cash. Uh, foreign makes up 25% stocks and bonds each. My goal is in 12 years to pay off my mortgage and work part-time to cover my living expenses, so... 12 years from now is 50. How should my portfolio allocation change? What's interesting to note about that person is they're doing great. Maybe a little, maybe the flaw that I can see is, I think maybe the flaw is that you're retiring a little bit too early and you're going to still need health care. Um, you know, assuming all basic living expenses are paid, you have no debt, you've got a satisfactory emergency fund, in which order, you know, at that point in time, do you start, you know, throwing your money around? Um, let's see, how do I want to talk about this? Oops, forgot, phone call. <laughs> Thanks, producer. Richard, San Jose. Uh, are you there? Hey, uh, Robert. Yes. Uh, what I want to ask you is, okay, recently uh, I've uh, – what happened is is that my father died, and he was the sole beneficiary to my estate. Okay. Why did you have your father as a beneficiary? Huh? Why did you have your father as a beneficiary? Because, because he's the only person that I trust. So if you died, your dad gets the money? Yeah. Okay. Do you have Do you have a Do you have a wife? Do you have kids? No. <laughs> have you been drinking this morning? 
that's um, out of the content of our conversation right now. I, I know. You're just very emphatic the way you're going, yes! No! No! no. Okay, so, so... What I wanted to ask you... Yeah, sorry about the death of my father, by the way. What I wanted to ask you, Mr. Black, is now that my dad has passed on, yep. can I leave you as my beneficiary? <laughs> that would be very unethical for me to say on the air. Yes, hint, hint, wink, wink, nudge, nudge, poke, poke, get, get the message. Yes. Um, it, I'm flattered that you would even say that, but there has to be someone more important in your life than me. Well, you've taught me everything that I need to know about the economic status of uh, what I need to know. So I was trying if to help you, do, you. If you do, let me know, and I'll gladly take you up on that. But I would recommend something like uh, a charitable trust. Uh, ch- ch- how much are we talking, by the way, here? Um, more than 20K. Okay. So that's not very much. Yeah, but it's uh, enough. Do you want it How old are you? <laughs> I don't want it. Um, how old are you? Oh, almost 50. Okay. You need to up that retirement. Don't worry about me. Worry about you. Oh, you're, you're, you're right. You're right. You're right. You're right. You're right. I do need okay. to up the retirement. Good luck Correct. to you. Thanks for the call, Richard. So I'm going to go back to the email that I was talking about on the person. And I'll refresh you. 38, single, healthy, no children, $400,000, split 70% stocks, 25% bonds, 5% cash. Four makes about 25%. Goal is to retire at 50. Now, you know, a response to that is retiring at 50 is great. A 70-30 split between equities and fixed income still makes sense at age 50, given that you could live another 40 years or more in retirement. So that's one thing to consider is your longevity and taking your foot off the brake a little bit too soon. You're going to need to stay ahead of inflation. You're going to have that exposure to equities will allow you to accomplish that once you completely stop working and need your portfolio to generate income. You may need to rebalance on occasion some of that. Got another email, someone who's 65 years old says, I manage my traditional IRA account as two buckets. Bucket one provides the income I need between now and when I turn 70. Bucket two is for 70 and beyond. My sources of income from now until I file for Social Security are as follows. Military retirement, a pension for my post-military work in the industry, my wife's Social Security, monthly IRA withdrawals. My investments are very conservative for the short-term bucket that's going to be tied towards income that I need now and between 70. Bucket two is five hundred plus thousand dollars. It's largely in equities, including big chunk and blue chip dividend stocks. Um, question was, would it make sense for me to start do- doing incremental Roth IRA conversions from bucket two? Good God, this is a long question. From bucket two, now that to reduce my required minimum dis- requirements when I turn seventy and a half, I would do it in a way that keeps me in the fifteen percent effective tax bracket. Um, good question. Um, as often as the case depends on a few more specifics, marginal tax rate will impact the decision, as well as the value of current holdings within each of those types of accounts already, and your age can play a role for sure. Generically speaking, the Roth tends to be better at younger ages when you have more time to grow the assets within the account, and you could certainly want to participate in a 401k up to any match, first and foremost. So, um, again, that comes down to a kind of a tax issue. Um, Let's see, who else should I pick for my email chains? Um, You know, a little bit more on that, on the Roth conversion. It's a good strategy to follow, and I recommend it pretty regularly, especially in his scenario where it's so cash flow heavy right now. 
with the pensions and situations along those lines. Keep in mind that a Roth conversion increases your adjustable gross income, also known as AGI. Not just your, you know, it could change your tax return pretty dramatically. Not just your tax bracket. For example, as income increases, more of your wife's Social Security would be included in the taxable income. Given your income sources already, that may or may not impact you. One final thought on this is once you reach full retirement age for Social Security, you can file and restrict your application to your spousal benefits and continue to delay your own Social Security benefit. This allows you to receive a Social Security check now based on your wife's work history while your own benefit continues to grow. I do a lot of events around the Bay Area. Oftentimes I'm in Palo Alto or Los Gatos, uh, San Mateo. Um, I get to the East Bay a little less regularly. A lot of the population in the Bay Area is basically between San Mateo and San Jose. It starts thinning out a little bit um, as you go further east. You can always find out about my events at robblack.com. That's robblack.com. I'm Rob Black. Um, Thanks for listening. Thanks for all the support through the years. You can find out more about me at robblack.com. Visit Rob Black online at robblack.com. Now, back to Rob Black and your money on AM 1220 KDOW. Welcome in. Rob Black and your money. I'm Rob Black talking all things financial money, investing, and more. Anything that you want to talk about, we can talk about. Um, let's take a look at some market numbers. The SP 500 is up one, the Dow's down 14, the NASDAQ down one. Joining me now, mortgage lender from BayAreaLoanSource.com. It's BayAreaLoanSource.com. He's the guy who does my mortgages, Tony Mendez. Tony Mendez, let's talk a little rental property. Hey, Hello? Rental properties. What's the word mean to you, or the words mean to you? Investment property, and I think that's something that. You, it, that should be the first thing that you think about. Investment. You're going to get a rate of return on what you're putting into the property. So okay. you, you come up with a down payment. You put it in the, buy the property. You get some good tax benefits, some interest, mortgage interest deductions, and then you have what's left over, and in, that's your cash flow. In your world of lending, who comes to you that's looking for investment property or rental property? There's a lot of different people. Uh, we have you know the, the husband and wife that are looking for a second home. Um, and they say, you know what, we're going to buy this as an investment property for a while and then maybe retire in it or something like that. And then we have some people who just want to have extra money and they want to buy some rental property because it's something maybe their parents have done. Uh, a lot of people that are in rental properties now are people who have experienced that through either family members or friends uh, and they get exposure that way. I live in part of the Bay Area that I would not buy homes as rental properties, but I would buy apartments as rental properties. Right. Um, I have a differentiation in my head. I don't think my home, I'll be honest with you, I don't think it's going to appreciate in the next 10 years unless I see some really big wage inflation across the upper middle class and the lower upper class. And right now, that's just not working out that way. Mm-hmm. Multifamily was a one of the reasons we saw new home sales go up. It was really, not new home sales, I'm sorry, construction. And it was leading the way. We had 60% of new home construction was 
multifamily units because of the pure fact that rents were rising and there was a demand for this type of product. That's why over the last few years we saw a lot of almost 30 to 35 percent of properties bought in the Bay Area were cash. Okay. Cash properties. And it's still like that right now because people are buying not only distressed properties, but they're buying rental units because rents are so strong here. Something that I find sick and vile are real estate clubs because they're kind of luring in the average person saying, you too can buy real estate just like Donald Trump. And it's maybe not that much of a sales pitch or maybe not that glossy, but I find them kind of vile. And I saw in 2004, 2005, 2006, yeah. a, a lot of people join these things trying to get wealthy and not having enough money to understand that it's an investment, and you're investing yep. in the income that comes out of it, you're not investing in the potential appreciation of the property. And a lot of those ended up as private REITs as well, uh, where they're the people who are making more of the money with the people who are actually getting the transaction. Right. Um, so what you're saying is, there, that sometimes you'll hear about people that advertise clubs and scenarios, and they'll say, I'll buy property for you, and they'll do... And help you get the loan and, and so on. And, and management fees, et cetera. So it's, there are going to be a lot more of these types of advertisings and incitements to get into, this, into the real estate business as equities increase. Here in the Bay Area, prices are going back up. So that's skewing really towards, um, I, don't want to say, I don't even know how to say this, but a lot of individuals want to own individual properties. And then some individuals want to help fund bigger projects and become a master limited partner. And I hate that. I would rather you own publicly traded REITs where you own it. Tony Mendez owns that property. He may own one one millionth of it, but he's not writing a check to a developer. He's not writing a check. And I know why you say that, because you hear a lot more horror stories than I do. You work with people on an individual basis, and you also have – you hear these horror stories. I, on the other hand, would say, you know what, I would deal with actually people who are successful at – buying rental properties, buying multi-unit properties, and managing them well and getting positive cash flows. If so, they're getting positive cash flows, and right. if, if they're not expecting appreciation, but it's, I agree. It's because I, I work with, and it's going to sound corny, but I work with people that have CFPs or CPAs, yeah. and they, they actually corny. have some people that are guiding them in the right way instead of going to these kind of groups and, and feeling like they're, that it, they're just following a trend. I think if you think someone's like a real estate guru or someone has like... It, there was a guy... He owns a company in the Bay Area that he was selling property in the desert in a city that has no waterworks, that has no pipes, selling property that has no water tied towards it, Aqueduct City, um, that has no aqueduct. Mm-hmm. And people buy it thinking it's the next big thing. If you're buying the next big thing, you're probably taking a lot of risk. Now, San Luis Obispo, maybe they're the next big thing in the wine country. Maybe all that property down there will work out but they have to have water. So you have to calculate some of your risks in these scenarios, right? Yes, certainly do. So real quick, what does the person, what would you want to see who's looking for rental investments? Um, Somebody who can, it's extra money for them to spend. Um, I had somebody call me the other day, said I have about $50,000 I want to put in investment property. And we got through the whole, you know, qualifying process and, and they didn't have any other money. They had some 401k, but they didn't have the ability to continue funding that if they used their this money up and factoring the, the risk involved. You don't always get rents on a monthly basis. So That's mortgage lender Tony Mendez with BayAreaLoanSource.com. I'm Rob Black, talking all things financial money, investing, and more. Anything you want to talk about, we can talk about. We can talk about um, the top stories in the market. 
we could certainly do that. Um, some of the um, stories of the day right now, we're waiting for the kind of the Fed minutes to come out. And that will obviously change the way we view the markets with interest rates, which I was talking with Patrick O'Hare yesterday, chief market analyst with briefing.com. And he said, basically, that's going to be the story of the year coming from here. At this point in time, it's, that's going to be it. So, World Cup, are you watching it? Americans are increasingly developing a taste for the beautiful game, at least when their own team is playing. Monday night's World Cup match between U.S. and Ghana drew 15.9 million viewers. Uh, there was a couple of ways of watching it, of course. Uh, ESPN, as well as Univision. ESPN, speaking English, 11.1 million eyeballs. Univision, speaking Spanish, 4.8 million eyeballs. It's interesting that we're blending those two together. Now, the San Antonio versus Miami final on Sunday, 17.9 million. It's interesting to note that Spain versus the Netherlands, so far as drew uh, the final game, drew 24.7 million Americans. So we have a ways to go to get to quote-unquote those finals kind of levels. Um, the number of eyeballs watching the NHL, just 6 million eyeballs as far as the final game between L.A. and against New York on Friday. So hockey, a ways to go. It's being passed by the World Cup pretty aggressively. You can find me online at robblack.com. Got a big event coming up Thursday evening. Thursday evening. You can sign up for it at robblack.com. That's robblack.com. It's just a thought to so Let's go out we can breathe. I know the past is radio station. Apple introduced a new entry-level model of its Mac computer that drops the starting price for an all-in-one desktop by about 200 bucks. Newest version of the 21.5-inch iMac starts at $1,100. Previously, the lowest price Mac was about $1,300. The newest model has half the hard drive space and about half the speed of the $1,300 option. So some new product coming out of Apple. And again, we'll pay attention to it. I don't think that's as big of a groundbreaker as, say, a phone. But it is also telling you that Apple is you know, more and more conscious about getting market share. And lowering the price is one way of doing that. China shows some heft by sinking the shipping deal. China's flexing its growing power over global deals. It's put in a kibosh, so to speak, on a shipping alliance that officials said had too many uh, trade lanes to Europe. So Chinese agencies have typically now started to step in to set condition on deals. Um, and they want to be involved. They're a growing global force. So they've got deals in places like Microsoft and Google. So you'll continue to hear that story, I believe. 800-516-1220. It's 800-516-1220 to get your calls on the air. Anything you want to talk about, we can talk about. H&M. 
I've got to be careful how I say this so I don't sound too unhep. Fashion retailer. I think it's fair. Um, they're in the news today for basically trying to expand what they're doing. H&M plans to more than double the pace of its online rollout to capitalize on an expected surge in e-commerce in the coming years. So online versus malls is the thoughts there. After a slow start to its online operations hurt by technical glitches, the cheap and chic clothing brand plans to open in 8 to 10 new online markets next year, following expansion this fall into China, Spain, and Italy. E-commerce is growing in most markets. Um, Large fashion retailers are rushing to expand their web presences as Internet-savvy consumers increasingly shop online. H&M reported a 25% rise in the net profit in the three months ended May 31 to uh, 5.8 billion uh, Swiss kroner, which is about $875 million. So people are trying to stand out online. And, you know, I like to buy some clothes from, like, Banana Republic, and uh, I know my sizes. So I sign up for their email, and whatever, they have this massive, say, 50% off sale, which they do a lot via email. You know, I'll jump in and grab a shirt or something along those lines. Not as fearful as I once was, per se. Anything you want to talk about, we can talk about 800-516-1220. It's 800-516-1220. Money, investing, and more. Taking a look at the market numbers today, we have the S&P 500 up fractions. The Dow down 18. NASDAQ down 1. Um, Not a lot going on. So the question is, the Fed Open Market Committee... Um, so the Open Market Committee is going to come out with notes a little bit later this morning, and we'll hear what they have to say. Um, the biggest pickup in core consumer inflation in nearly three years will make their job a little bit tougher. The Fed has to try to help the economy by lowering interest rates, but the Fed also has to fight inflation by raising interest rates. And we saw a pretty big rise yesterday, which is typically considered a good thing in the world of Economics, because consumption equals economic activity. I don't think anyone's going to respond to one month of data. But with that said, you know, maybe some of the language starts to change slightly. They're going to take down their growth forecast. They're going to take it down their unemployment forecast. They could rise or raise their inflation forecast. Um... So if the Fed gives a nod to the CPI or to inflation, that may spook investors because of higher interest rates will make it more difficult to borrow money um, and to get a good return on your money, which, for the record, one of the things that we're seeing this year is massive amounts of buybacks. The S&P 500 um, has shown that Buybacks and share repurchases are up 59.3% this year. So that's pretty crazy. Companies reached in their deep pockets this quarter and spent an extra $30 billion over the prior quarter on buybacks, buying more than they issued and reducing their share count. 
lower share count pushed up earnings per share significantly, defined by you know that um, how many shares are out there versus what you earn. If you buy back your shares, you earn more per share. Of course, Apple set the record for share buybacks with $18 billion in the first quarter, beating out their prior $16 billion record. Apple reduced its diluted shares by about 7% year over year, leading to a 7.1% increase in net earnings, resulting in a 15.2% earnings per share gain. So with a low cost of money, it's very, very easy to do this. Keeping up with the current bull market means the companies have to pay more for the same number of shares because as the market moves higher, their shares have been moving higher, right? So it's Fed Day. Anything you want to talk about, we can talk about money investing in more. Dr. Oz is under pressure from Congress, which I love this story. Um, Oz appeared before the Senate Consumer Protection Panel. He was scolded by various... Um, senators for claims he made about weight loss ads on his TV show. I find him to be less than useful in the world of media, in the world of uh, healthcare TV, health TV. Um, So I find him to be a bit of a cheerleader and I find him kind of vile. I think he's making money left and right, <clears throat> all at your expense. So it's good to see that he goes in front of Congress on occasion. I'm not going to say for crimes, but I guess I'm kind of like wanting to go there, aren't I? So UPS is factoring box size into pricing. That's a story from yesterday. But again, <clears throat> again it kind of shows you what's happening in the world of inflation. Um, I think that uh, the more we have to pay to ship something, probably the more we have to pay for eggs. So if we're shipping stuff, it costs, you know, money, right? But if someone's shipping eggs to me or to the grocery store, it costs money. So that's what that UPS story is telling me is look for a rise in inflation. Shares in Zoopla Property Group. Zoopla. Rose on the first day of dealings. The um, solid start for Zoopla will be a relief to investors that are worried, you know, about other IPOs that have been coming to public uh, recently. Zoopla is the 17th tech company to list on the London Stock Exchange this year. Um, so a lot of IPOs, and I would say Zoopla is one of the bigger ones as far as hype goes tied towards tech. So Zoopla is launching new websites aimed at the overseas and commercial property markets, as well as introducing other products and services using its data on historic sales transactions and property listings. So think of it kind of as a Zillow of foreign markets. But yeah, we're definitely paying attention to that in my mind as far as the IPO market and how long will the window be open for deals to come out. Anything you want to talk about, we can talk about. Money investing and more. Drop me an email, rob at robblack.com. It's rob at robblack.com. So the FOMC participants will learn a little bit more about today at 11 Pacific time. Directive is widely expected to read like the prior directive. 
drawing attention to improving economic activity. Reiterating the Fed fund rates will be low for a long time. With a 1% decline in the first quarter GDP, the Fed seems certain to cut its central tendency growth projections for 2014. Recall after the March meeting that 13 of 16 participants expressed the first increase would occur in 2015. One thought it would be 2014. Two thought it would be 2016. So we're playing with kind of like, okay, what way are we leaning so better than expected earnings from FedEx at Adobe Systems. So that's two good uh, pieces of moderate economic growth. Thumbs up. You can find me online at robblack.com. It's robblack.com. Money, investing, and more. Anything you want to talk about, we can talk about. Got a big event coming up in Palo Alto on the 19th of this month. That would be tomorrow night in Palo Alto at the Elks Club. It's going to be the 10 Pillars of Retirement Planning, Five Key Steps of Finding Dividend Achiever Stocks. I'm going to go over some dividend achieving stocks that I've picked up. CFP Chad Burton will talk tax-efficient investing, Social Security benefits, and much, much more. You can sign up for the event at robblack.com. My rhythm, though, it 0.1%. That's a Bloomberg Market Minute. Listening to Rob Black and Your Money on AM 1220 KDOW and iHeart Radio Station. Welcome back in. Rob Black and your money. I'm Rob Black. FOMC is expected to announce its latest monetary policy decision at 2 o'clock this afternoon. Federal Reserve Chair Janet Yellen will also hold a press conference at 2.30 Eastern Time. So play that back to 11.30 Pacific. And a lot of things will change between now and then. Uh, people are going to be looking for things. There is what is called a dot plot. It's a chart that shows the FOMC's 16 members, how they think about different benchmarks. Where do we see appropriate pace of policy firming? Where do we see the federal funds rate at the end of the year? One person sees it at 1% versus zero to one quarter of a percent right now. But 15 other members think that it's going to be at a quarter of a percent. In 2015, there's one person who thinks the Fed fund rate will be at 3%. Two think it'll be at 2%. Some think somewhere around one and a half. But then most think one percent or less. 
And in 2017, they all think we're going to be around three and a half to four quarter percent. We will have a different stock market if that's the case. Now, again, this dot chart, it breaks down the various members and it shows projections of where they're leaning or where they think things are going to go, which I guess is the same thing as where they're leaning. And we should have a different stock market in 2015, 2016, somewhere around there. This is an easy stock market to make money in. Be careful. Have a plan because you are going to need one when things change. It's a great chance to come out and meet myself and CFP Chad Burton to talk about a plan tied towards retirement, Palo Alto Elks Lodge, uh, tax-efficient investing, maximizing Social Security, risk about living your savings, estimating your retirement expenses. I'm going to go over some dividend and cheaper stocks. Uh, Michelle Lerman will be there. She's a big state planning attorney. She's going to talk about some of the problems that a hot stock market has created and how to solve them. But you can sign up for that event at robblack.com. That's robblack.com. And uh, don't be shy about that. So Starbucks, will their college program that they've recently announced hurt their shares? That was one of the more interesting questions that I got, and I don't think so. Um, when you start doing um, Excel spreadsheets, you learn you know, how to factor in columns. This is a really big company that does really a lot of business. Coffee chain known for going farther for their employees said this week that it would pay for online classes at Arizona State. The company hasn't provided any of the financial details. The cost of a four-year degree at Arizona State would be roughly $60,000 in current dollars. Not all workers will get that benefit, though. The program is open to employees if they work 20 hours a week. Uh, if they enroll as juniors or seniors, other workers can get scholarships. Analysts are still trying to measure the costs. This program may seem costly, but it probably won't affect profitability. Costs and benefits will likely be relatively small. And it should help them get and keep a better caliber of employee. So that should be factored in as well. 800-516-1220. To get your calls in the air, it's 800-516-1220. Yahoo CEO Marissa Mayer was hackled by people on Twitter during her presentation at a big ad conference. It's apparently a major faux pas to advertise oneself at an advertising conference. She learned this the hard way. Unfortunately, she attracted some criticism. She put forth a very hard sell of the company during her presentation. Um... And Twitter kind of slammed her. Twitter seems to be like the great equalizer. Or like You could be like George Clooney or Brad Pitt, but the people on the other end aren't going to give you any slack or aren't going to give you any uh, comfort for being who you are. They're just going to attack you. So she used some obscure artworks to illustrate the company's approach to advertising, but it ended up creating most of the confusion during the presentation. So she's not perfect. Um, and now she's starting to hit that wall of, okay, you've been there a while, and if we take away Alibaba from you, what do you got? Um, so she's starting to get a little bit of pressure, and I think that comes to the territory, right? 
800-516-1220 to get your calls in the air. It's 800-516-1220 to get your calls in the air. Anything you want to talk about, we can talk about. Amazon's going to release its smartphone today. Um, how much of a game changer is it? We know that it's got some sort of 3D effect tied towards it, some sort of motion sensing capabilities. The question is, will it have some sort of data offering that will allow Amazon Prime members to stream Amazon content, like movies from Prime Instant Video, or music from its Spotify-esque service for free? With smartphone, Amazon is plunging into crowded, crowded territory. So why are they releasing the smartphone? They want to be an everything company. Why the heck not is another reason. Amazon's had some inventiveness that should be acknowledged. Big event coming up tomorrow night. Draw Black and Your Money. Going to be producing... Ten Pillars of Retirement Investing in Palo Alto at the Elks Club. You can sign up for the event at robblack.com. It's 6.30 to 9. Talking Ten Pillars of Retirement Planning. I'm going to be talking dividend income stocks. Should be a good event tomorrow night. Sign up at robblack.com. Sessions of A Potentially Perfect Parent, brought to you by AdoptUsKids.org. I might look like an adult, like a person who could possibly be a parent, but I have no idea how to talk like one. And everyone knows that if you want to be a parent, you have to sound good when you say things like, Don't make me turn this car around, or Because I said so, or Don't make me come back there. I don't even really know what those things mean, but I know that I actually believed my parents when they said them to me. How did they manage to sound so convincing? Here we go. Don't make me come back there. No, that's not tough enough at all. Kids can sense weakness. Don't make me come back there. Ooh, yeah, that's better. In fact, that kind of sounded like my dad. Weird. You don't have to be perfect to be a perfect parent. There are thousands of teens in foster care who would love to listen to you practice your dad voice. Call 1-888-200-4005 or visit AdoptUsKids.org for more information. This message brought to you by the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services, Adopt Us Kids, and the Ad Council. And my heart radio station, KDOW, Palo Alto, the Bay Area's business leader. A division of Salem Communications, on the NASDAQ at SALM. Good morning, I'm Chuck Kamlick, CNBC Radio. Breaking news just now, the U.S. Patent Office has canceled, essentially, the Washington Redskins trademark for its name, saying that it's disparaging to Native Americans, the Redskin name in uh, controversy over the past several weeks. So it says the patent office, it does not allow any names to be trademarked that are disparaging to anyone. So it's essentially canceled that. We'll see where this goes for the team in the uh, next several weeks or even today. Uh, right now, the Dow is down 14, the NASDAQ about 2. Everybody waiting until the Federal Reserve meeting is a, ends in about four hours to find out what's going to happen with interest rates. Shares of Adobe Systems up more than $5, about 8%. Adobe's profits rose because it signed up more customers for its cloud service. And FedEx is 4% higher, shipped more packages, charged a bit more for the privilege, and FedEx profits more than doubled. All in all, stock's just in a wait-and-hold pattern. Chuck Kamlick, CNBC Radio. AM 1220 KDOW traffic. A new accident in Richmond and this traffic report brought to you by the Foundation for a Better Life. That's okay. You don't have to be perfect to be the perfect parent. Thousands of teens in foster. So a big thing that the Fed 
Open Market Committee will be discussing, and that's a bunch of bankers that get together. And they help Janet Yellen kind of prepare a directive on how the United States is doing and what they can do to help keep employment as low, uh, unemployment as low as possible or maximize employment while also watching inflation. The inflation is the one that we haven't talked about in a long, long time because we've been watching the unemployment rate, wanting it to get to levels that we feel more comfortable with that are, are indicative of growing economies. Our unemployment is still stubbornly too high. But now we're starting to talk inflation. Let's bring in CFP Chad Burton. Mr. Burton, how are you? CFP Chad Burton, are you there? He's there. I can hear him typing. He's probably listening to the radio on seven-second delay. How about Mr. Producer? You, you uh, There we go. You take him up. Okay, I'm just going to keep talking, and when he's ready, let me know. Hey, Rob. 800-516-1220 to get your calls on the air. It's 800-516-1220. Anything you want to talk about, we can talk about money, investing, and more. So some trends that are changing the way people Mr. Black and how they handle their money, inflation and how we're approaching it. Mr. Burton, how are you? I'm good. How are you? Good. I got a wicked echo that I'm waiting for my producer to cancel. All right. Um, I'm back on a different line. Yeah, we just need to cancel this. I can't do this. So we can't do Skype. Um, Too much of an echo. Sorry, guys. Some trends changing the way you manage money. It's been five years since the recession ended, and most of America's financial institutions are still standing. Crisis didn't alter the country's, uh, you know, banks like some people had thought. I'm going to type him a quick message. You know, the global economy has moved forward. Tech startups that are dramatically changing the way the world and money is made, spent, and saved. Last year, Accenture, a global consulting firm, released a report that peered into the banking sector's future. It concluded that by 2020, banks will lose 35% of their market share to technology companies. So banks are changing. Um, Who gains that market share when there's massive disruptors? Um, Payments are going virtual for sure, um, and it's cutting out the banks. Crowdfunding reached nearly $100 billion, and that cuts out banks from lending money to you know smaller companies. Bitcoin is catching on slowly but surely, slowly but surely. It's got a present market value of about $8 billion, with about 80,000 transactions made per day. That'll continue to grow. So there's some changes happening pretty aggressively. Let's bring on CFP, Chad Burton. How are you, Mr. Burton? Doing well. How are you? Doing well. Sorry about that technical glitch. No, no worries. Um, so let's talk a little inflation. Yeah. What do we need to know about modern inflation? Good for the economy, bad for the economy? It's good for the economy. I mean, we've seen you know a couple of numbers recently that that show the a tiny, tiny little trend ticking upwards, which is good because I tell you what, I would rather invest with a bit of inflation than with deflation any day of the week. Okay. And. Uh, you know, a couple of reasons why. First of all, if you have a little bit of inflation, hopefully that leads eventually to wage inflation, which this country does need a, a bit, not too much. But a little bit of inflation gives companies the ability to 
start to raise some prices and increase their margins. So that's good for your investments. But really what it is is that interest rates eventually going up, which will give us higher income on CDs and bonds. That's good for people that, you know, are going to be retiring soon because they transition into a more balanced conservative portfolio. You know, rates are a third of where they were in 2007. So it's really tough on retirees. And, um, you know, like I, like I mentioned, Rob, I mean, I don't know how you would invest necessarily in deflation, but investing in moderate deflation is pretty easy because your bond portfolio, you transition into some tips, which are treasury, treasury inflation protected bonds, which, which, uh, the rates can adjust upward or the face value of the bond can adjust upward if inflation comes into play. Or you invest in commodities. And right now, not really really too much into either two any of those areas we kind of watch what's called the velocity of money as a cue to signal when should we go into those types of investments with that out there i think the inflation angle and story does play out with the federal reserve and that changes the way stocks move um how are you feeling about the, the summertime right now as far as where we are in the year but also during this you know boring trading times it's, uh, it, it just feels like a replay. It's it's funny because 21 years in the business, um, I've been saying lately that it just feels like the same summer, different story, different country, somebody's different currency, um, you know, something going on in the Middle East. Uh, it's the same story almost every single year. We get the jump in oil prices. People start to talk about that. We get the lack of corporate news, and it goes to geopolitical concerns and headlines. We get the, the lack of of uh, any kind of catalyst for, you know, any kind of summertime issue. And then the selling may go away. That seems to be, you know, disproven all the time because people can't time the market. So, you know, it, it just feels like every single summer that we've had. The difference is, is that we have gone straight up from the bottom uh, pretty much for five years now. And so corrections wouldn't scare me. It wouldn't bother me. Um, uh, we are seeing some leadership Again, this last week, and, and some mid-cap and small-cap stocks, which is, you know, kind of good for the overall market. But a, a correction wouldn't bother me; it wouldn't scare me. I'd look, I'd look at it as a buying opportunity. Okay, um, changing gears ever so slightly. How about some mistakes that people make when working with commission-based advisors? Yeah, and this is was a topic of, of the one o'clock show a lot yesterday, and. It's weird. I, I, you know, I get a string of different types of people. I don't know if it's time of the year or what, where it's you know. And, Early in the year, it seems to be really wealthy people, and then recently it seems to be people that almost retired too soon, and the result of it was bad advice. So a guy, he came into the office. He retired in 2005 from a pretty large company in the Bay Area, one that still had pension. And he retired because he was looking at his you know, pre-retirement income, and he thought, okay, I'm going to get 20% of my income from Social Security. That's good. And then he had a pension that was making up another 60%. And he said, okay, I just need 20% to be covered by his 401k. So he goes to see a guy, basically an annuity salesman, right? And the number that he was going to have to draw out of his 401k was 10% a year to make up the shortfall in his income. And because this commission-based guy makes 5% upfront of anything you invest, he told the guy, yeah, 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 you're ready to retire. Go for it. More than fine. So he retires in 2005, starts drawing 10% a year out. The market cracks, and the guy is way behind, way behind where he started his 401k rollover with. And he has really, 
you know, he retires too early. He doesn't have a lot of liquid money. He's got a problem in his bathroom. He's got a big dry rot issue. He's got dental bills. He's got decent income, but no liquidity. And and he drew down. He didn't have a strategic plan to draw down his portfolio. So he's having to actually do a reverse mortgage to kind of get through this liquidity crunch that he's doing. So stay away from these commission-based guys. They'll, They'll tell you you're ready to retire, and they just want a commission. Thanks very much. It's CFP Chad Burton. You can find him at newfocusfinancial.com. That's newfocusfinancial.com. Don't forget, he and I will be in Palo Alto at the Elks Lodge tomorrow night talking income and retirement planning. I'm going to be going over some dividend income stocks. He's going to be going over you know, making sure that you have the right strategy to maximize your income during those years where you no longer retire. Work. Fine. Sign up at Rob Black. AM. Visit Rob Black online at robblack.com. Now, back to Rob Black and your money on AM 1220 KDOW. Chinese home prices fall. Prices for new homes fell in 35 of 70 Chinese cities. Markets are up around the world today. Japanese exports fall. So two of these three big headlines of the day have me a little bit worried. Chinese home prices falling and Japanese exports fall. Uh, that was the first decline in about 15 months out of China, out of Japan. GM CEO heads to the hill again, Mary Barra. She's getting grilled by Congress. She's recalled over 20 million autos since the beginning of the year. I mean, she's certainly doing what she can, it looks like, from the outside. The world's most expensive one-cent stamp, an incredibly rare 19th century postage stamp, just sold for $9.5 million. Woo! Right? I don't know if that's a woo to you, but that's a woo to me. Take a look at the markets today. Um, a little bit on the mixed side, for sure. Uh, not a lot of, of drama, save for the Fed Open Market Committee. Let's see if we can't go to... Let's talk a little real estate right now. Joining me now, Tony Mendez, BayAreaLoanSource.com. That's BayAreaLoanSource.com. A lot of people want to buy a house, and they start with, I want to buy a house. How do I calculate how much I can afford? What's the number? Um, okay, so the standard guidelines, and that's what you're going to follow. These are the best rates out there from Freddie Mac, Fannie Mae, and you have to follow those guidelines. They're going to say you can spend a certain percentage of your income. If you're W-2, that's your gross income. If you're self-employed, that's going to be your net income that goes over on your 1040. So it's a basic uh, formula, and you have to factor in uh, the, the actual debt on the house called PITI, Principal Interest Tax and Insurance. Slow it down. Slow it down. PITI. P-I-T-I. P-D. P-D. And What's any other expenses for? that go into the property plus your other debt. So, uh, and, and if your credit score is high enough, and this is where credit score becomes a big factor in how much you can borrow. So if you have a 640 score, you're going to borrow less than somebody who has a 740 score based on your income. So your percentages are allowed to go higher. So let's say that that max is 45%. That's called your back-end ratio. That back-end ratio is 45% of your gross income if you're W-2. That's a pretty high number. Right. So if you make $10,000, you can spend $4,500 a month on all of your debt. So if you, if you have $500 in credit card and car payment debt, then that leaves you with $4,000 for P-I-T-I. Gotcha. So you work backwards. You subtract. Let's say it's a $500,000 house. That's about 500 in taxes, about $100 a month in insurance. Back that out. That leaves you with $3,400. So it seems like if you're going to yeah. be buying a house in a year, 
you start paying down your credit. In large part because it's going to be part of the factor. It is going to be because that if you have a lower credit score, that ratio could go from 45% down to 35%. So you're losing the ability to buy, and, it, and it's retarding your ability to go at a higher price. And it might put you in a worse neighborhood, better, you know, worse school districts. So credit score really translates big into the uh, real estate industry. Gotcha. One of the things I try to tell people, there's no rule of thumbs. I mean, you could kind of start with a, an area. Like when I was growing up, it was – no more than 28% of your income should go right. into servicing your mortgage. That's pretty nice. It's conservative. Yeah, it's, it's, it's a good standard to follow. But ultimately, what a lot of people still don't understand how to calculate their income, especially if you're self-employed. Some people use their gross. Some people use their net. But they forget that there's things you could back into it. Ultimately, you do have to get pre-approved. That's really the first step. And let a professional do it. I think people try to do it too, too much on their own. They get a realtor. They start shopping, and then they find a a loan agent, and they find out that they're not approved for a certain amount because it could have been their credit score. They're looking at a different program that has mortgage insurance that also gets factored in the PITI-MI. So there's a lot of other factors that play into it, and, and it becomes more difficult nowadays. There's no stated income programs. There's no um, starter teaser rates that can help you qualify. It's all straight math now, and it's straightforward. It's something people really need to get comfortable with is how much can you afford because I can tell you, a lot of people don't think about property taxes. That comes in, bam. That's that hurts. It hurts. Um, a roof goes bad. Yeah. Um, people go into foreclosure again. I had a friend whose father took money out of his house, bought a house, took money out of that house, bought another house, took money out of that, and he'd never prepared for a worst case scenario. And when a worst case scenario hit, where he lost a a renter, all four houses collapsed. Yep. All four houses went into foreclosure. Um, it became Viral, And it doesn't have to be that way if you don't overbuy. Um, there's a rule of thumb, again, doesn't always work for people. Depends on how much money you put down and other factors. But two and a half times your annual salary. So if you make $100,000, you could probably afford $250,000. Um, so a million-dollar house, which is norm on the peninsula, you need a lot of money to yep. afford that. A $400,000 income, probably. Um, if you're going to be doing a, you know, typical mortgage types. And again, that's what's what's focus about this. And but you did mention something that's uh, very important is people also underestimate their expenses on the property. Yep. Utilities, maintenance, it's estimated that you're spending $200 a month on average in maintenance. And what's is what's also interesting is this isn't part of the that you're qualifying uh, debt. And it really does become a debt. It becomes a monthly debt that does not get included. So definitely uh, account for that and prepare for having higher expenses owning a property. Good stuff, good things to know, good things to ponder. I like arguments. I like conversation. Um, too many people buy houses without thinking of what can they actually afford. And sometimes you just should go into that starter house, you know? Sometimes that should be your first house for your next five to ten years, build a little bit of equity, and then you know, get the house that you really, really want. Um, I'm not in my dream house. I still underbuy. Um, one day I'll be in my dream house, probably when it's probably called a coffin. <laughs> Dirt nap time. That's Tony Mendez. You can find him at BayAreaLoanSource.com. That's BayAreaLoanSource.com. And I'm Rob Black, talking all things financial, money, investing, and more. Got a big uh, interview coming up with Dr. Jeff Rosen, Chief Economist at Briefing.com, in the next segment. I think he's always very insightful, and we'll talk Fed for sure. Ten Pillars Retirement Income Planning, um, something that we're going to be talking about at an event, Chad Burton and myself, tomorrow night, Thursday night. 
uh, in Palo Alto at the Elks Lodge. So retirement planning is more complicated than ever. Ten pillars of retirement planning. Um, trying to position yourself to generate the retirement income you need when, you know, it's easy to go out and find some dividend achievers. I'll teach you how easy it is. Um, on top of that, we'll talk a little tax-efficient investing. We'll talk a little bit on Social Security benefits. It's a good event, 6.30 to 9 at the Elks Lodge in Palo Alto tomorrow with myself, CFP Chad Burton, and estate planning attorney Michelle Lerman talking about the five biggest estate planning problems uh, that have been created by hot stock market. Hot stock market creates wealth, right? And wealth creates a problem when you retire. We'll talk about this and much, much more clearly um, coming up tomorrow night, Thursday night, 639 at the Elks Lodge in Palo Alto. You can get more information on the 10 Pillars of Retirement Income Planning by going to CFP Chad Burton's website, newfocusfinancial.com. That's newfocusfinancial.com. There's actually a flyer on what he's going to be talking about, but in obviously greater detail. You can get that for free at newfocusfinancial.com. Tutor a child who needs... You're listening to Rob Black and Your Money on AM 1220 KDOW. I'm Rob Black talking all things financial. Joining me now, Dr. Jeff Rosen, Chief Economist with Briefing.com. How are you, Mr. Rosen? I'm real well. How about yourself? Good. You took a couple weeks off for a vacation to get some downtime yeah. in? Yeah, it was it was very nice. It was uh, about as much off the grid as I could possibly get. <laughs> does that mean you were contributing to the economy, or does that mean you were hurting the economy because you weren't at work? Well, my production was down, but company owed me money anyways because I have vacation days, so it wasn't uh, wasn't anything on that respect. And I spent more money than I normally spend, so I was probably contributing to the economy more than I was uh, taking away. You know I love it when you talk economics on vacations. Um, so yeah, you are a true uh, economist for sure. Uh, anything happen that you had to catch up with in the economy while you were away? Well, I was looking at that retail sales report that came out last week. That, okay. to me, was really, really bad, um, especially in light of the higher-than-expected inflation numbers that we saw um, yesterday. So it's beginning to look like you know, the consumer isn't really all that strong. You know, we, we, we had this, you know, false hope, I want to say, that, uh, you know, weather conditions kept consumers on the sidelines in the, in the first quarter, which led to that, you know, negative GDP print, and things were going to get back to normal as weather conditions returned to, you know, returned to more normal levels. And you know, I've been harping for months that I didn't think that was true, and I think that you, this, this retail sales report confirmed that. You had virtually no growth anywhere um, and higher prices, which means we'll probably have you know, negative real uh, um, spending numbers, at least for that month. And, and that's not good. 
So the consumer's not that strong. Where does that lead us? So we've been in a jobless recovery now for five years, it feels like. It's uh, not getting much better. Are we just stagnant for the foreseeable future? It's, you know, turning into this prophecy of this new normal situation where we're growing at a level that doesn't see much uh, stronger acceleration. You know, this 2%, this ugliness, you know, and that's the way it, it seems to be staying. You know, if you take out, uh, you know, Obamacare you know, from the first quarter, and you would have an even worse print because you had a lot of people, you know, getting medical care that didn't get medical care in the past, and things aren't aren't looking good for that, you know, for the consumer in general. It's one of those situations where, you know, I've been hoping at every coming quarter that this will be the quarter that, you know, we get some animal spirits going, we'll get, you know, a big increase in spending, you'll see businesses start investing and, and everything will move, but, you know, everybody's afraid and, and there's no, you know, spender of last result that, uh, out there and uh, things are slow. What about the Fed Open Market Committee? Are they having an effect? Are they not helping the economy with the lower interest rates? What's your thought I mean, they're out doing on all that? they can, and, and I put out a report right before I left, um, talking about you know, one of the big uh, expectations I had was that you'd see consumers start spending significantly because you have low rates. And as consumers reduce their debt loads, you would have the opportunity to uh, take on a little bit more debt considering where the interest rates are and you could afford it, and you drive consumer growth and you drive the economy forward. But the people that need the spent need the debt they don't have the ability to get it i mean there's still tough constraints on you know the mid-level credit guy you know the guy with uh a credit score below 720 you know these aren't typically subprime but they're not you know normal considering you know upper level prime guys and they just don't have credit available. So without the credit available, there's nowhere to go. And if you have interest rates at zero, but you can't take advantage of it because you can't get credit, there's no point to it. And I think that's what uh, you know the economy is seeing, is that interest rates are so low, but the people that need access to credit that would embrace these low rates don't have access. So it's not giving as much oomph to the economy as you know a model would suggest. Is there a way to fix that, or is the problem just lenders are, are too nervous and they're not going to listen to, you know, prods and incentives from the government? Yeah, you either need to have some sort of government-type system of lending, which we saw with Fannie and, uh, Fannie and Freddie during the height of the, uh, the housing bubble is probably not the best thing you want your government involved in. But, you know, you've you got to do something to try to spur, uh, you know, banks into lending. And... Yeah, you know, I don't know what that is. You know what, what that can be. You know, Europe is trying a new situation by charging negative um, interest on uh, excess reserves, but at least in uh, you know the the U.S. that's more of an accounting identity as opposed to an actual fix, and it's really not a way of uh, of changing lending uh, behavior. So. I, I don't really know what can be done to spur lending to the people that need it. Let's change topics and talk a little bit about Bitcoin. I saw recently that they've signed on to sponsor a, a bowl game, 
And to me, that's it's going to be called the Bitcoin Bowl. It's going to be replace the Beef O'Brady's Bowl, which is kind of ridiculous if you think about that out loud. What's your thoughts on Bitcoin? Is it going to be legit? Because stories like that legitimize it in the eyes of the public. It's still so, you know, shadowy, I should say, that I don't know okay. how it's going to be a major player in the general public. You know, you keep hearing stories of, uh, you know, people's wallets being stolen. The news story of the day is that all new Bitcoins are being uh, developed by one conglomerate, which means that it's really not a decentralized location, and the one conglomerate can hide when they create Bitcoins so that they could double-use them. And it's one of those things where, you know, it's going to be very difficult in the short run to be a common currency that the public will use in a general way. And it's expensive, too, you know, to get involved in it. And I don't know if, you know, the normal conservative um, uh, player is going to get involved in that. Okay. That's good commentary. I'm glad you have an opinion on that. Anything that you're working on right now that we should be talking about in the next couple of days? Uh, anything that you're seeing develop? I, I think that there's a lot of... You know, people are going to spend a lot of time focusing on this FOMC meeting to see if we get any more hints on uh, when interest rates are going to start moving up. Um, I know here at Briefing we're spending a lot of time uh, looking at these dot points because clients seem very interested in them and, and wondering how, you know, the FOMC participants are focusing on economic growth and when they see rates going. I would put less emphasis personally on that um, than others are, but you know, it, it's something to take into consideration, and it's probably going to be pretty market-moving today. Um, otherwise, you know, I'm looking at the disconnect that we've seen recently on um, the Fed funds futures rates. They, they've increased significantly over the last week. Um, right now, rates are expected to rise uh, in mid-2015, but it's... Uh, we're at the best or, you know, the, the strongest outlook, the most hawkish outlook in terms of rising interest rates since March. And at the same time, however, we haven't seen a move in the 10-year. And the 10 years, you know, at two, was it 58 or 260? Back in March, it was, you know, over 270, 275. So we're still, you know, we would expect that, you know, these things to play out to show that uh, overall the rising interest rates are going to, to move long-term rates, but that's not happening, and I'm trying to figure out why. Okay. Thanks very much. That's um, Dr. Jeff Rosen, uh, Chief Economist with Briefing.com. It's Dr. Jeff Rosen, Chief Economist with Briefing.com. Briefing provides independent live market analysis of the U.S. and international equity markets. You can find out more at Briefing.com. He's with me every Wednesday at this time. So we have that going for us. I think he's a very bright guy. For him to be sounding a little disparaging on the U.S. economy tied towards retail sales, it gives me you know, the insight to change the way I invest my portfolio. An economist certainly, certainly has a lot to add. I'm not counting on the consumer middle class uh, from basic commentary from Dr. Jeff Rosen. And again, is that a blanket statement? It is. And you, you die by blanket statements on Wall Street, so be careful on that. Uh, do not take it into, like, hey, I'm, I'm selling everything with my car companies. Well, it's a little different. Cars are actually doing pretty well 
all things considered in the world of retail sales. Maybe I want it by eh, maybe like a clothing company, something that people don't absolutely positively have to upgrade. Then again, there's like teenagers, and teenagers absolutely positively do have to upgrade, sometimes for growth reasons, but also for you know impressing their friends. I've got a friend who uh, has a young son, I want to say like 11, 12 years old, somewhere in that ballpark neighborhood, and he uh, plays baseball. And the kid has to have a $300 bat. Has to have it. Um, and I find that just obnoxious. There's Nike shoes. There's Nike socks. There's certain heights that you can and can't have as a kid. Um, and I just go back to my childhood, and there were no $300 bats. There were things I had to have, for sure. I probably harassed my mother with video game wants and desires. Anyhow, CFP, Chad Burton, and myself are going to be doing a big event Thursday night, 6.30 to 9 at the Elks Lodge in Palo Alto. It's tied towards income and retirement. It's tied towards basically making sure you've got everything going the right direction in retirement because you don't want to have to go back to work when you're 75, 80 years old to pay the bills. Take a break here. Be right back. AM 1220 KDOW traffic. Starting off in Richmond, and this traffic report brought to you by the Foundation for a Better Life. Earlier accident has been cleared. Westbound 80 at Central Avenue was blocking the left lane. Traffic there stacked up solid from Highway 4. Listening to Rob Black and Your Money on AM 1220 KDOW and iHeart Radio Station. So FIFA is banning Beats for licensing reasons. The bulky Beats headphones are a favorite for many of the world's top players, making the World Cup a huge unofficial ad for the company acquired by Apple last month. But the soccer governing body, FIFA has to deal with Sony. So they have to take the headphones off, but they keep them around their neck, which is kind of interesting because it's just, again, more advertising. There's going to be a big Bitcoin bull, which, again, slowly but surely, it seems Bitcoin is gaining some traction. That's been announced to replace the Beefo Brady's bull. H&M is really focusing on going online, and I think rightfully so. Um, I think you don't want to miss that. That retail's tough, so you don't want to miss one sale because you're not online. Of which, so much of my shopping now is done online. Uh, Dr. Oz in Congress getting kind of grilled about some of his short-term weight loss solutions that he pushes on his show that he makes money for pushing. But he refers to them as short-term crutches. But I'm thrilled with this. I think if our Congress could do anything, it's cleaning up the pills industry, where we are a nation that takes pills to fix everything. Within weeks of Oz's comments about green coffee, which refers to the unroasted seeds of beans of coffee, there was a Florida-based operation began marketing a dietary supplement called Pure Green Coffee. 
uh, help, you know, just crazy claims, 17 pounds, um, 16% body weight loss in 22 weeks. Weight loss industry is an area where consumers are particularly vulnerable to fraud. Uh, I've had good friends, like, go after supplements, and I'm just like, what are you thinking? So if they worked, they'd get FDA approval, and doctors would prescribe them. They'd be over the counter with FDA approval, and they would gloat, I've got FDA approval. Nanny, nanny, boo-boo. The other supplements don't. So it's a little, it hurts me to see that, you know, people get taken advantage of so aggressively. So something I kind of started talking about a little bit today, and I never really got into it, was some trends of managing money and trends of cash. Accenture last year, a global consulting firm, released a report that peered into the banking sector's future. It concluded by 2020, banks will lose 35% of their market share to tech companies. That's pretty huge. I'm a guy who's always invested in banks like banks, so this scares me. And again, some of the banks will go out and acquire some of these companies. But the disruptors right now are winning. In part, it's because of regulations. It's also partly about what the banks have done to themselves. The industry is changing a number of ways quickly. Um, one of the big things right now are robo-advisors. So retail investment sector, there's about $14 trillion, and a lot of people are saying, you know what, I'm going to do it myself. I don't advise that for wealthy people, because I think you're going to get into trouble. You're going to find that a lot of these things don't take into account you. But we're seeing more and more of that, you know, people coming up and, you know, writing a very small check for advice versus what is more considered the norm. On a recent kayak trip, um, no one handed over money. Everyone was using virtual payments. Uh, whether it's credit card purchases, money transfer, business bill payments. Every payment's now done through mobile devices. Um, I know that I have to deposit some money in my checking account. It's all going to be done on my mobile phone later, probably while I'm at the gym working out. So this obviously has huge implications for credit card companies, banks, and you know other financial institutions that issue cards. Global mobile wallet is expected to grow by 35% between 2012 and 2017. Mobile payment transactions top $235 billion last year, and it's only going to go higher. There's a company called TransferWise, which is London-based, shaking up the wire transfer space. It allows people in business to send money between countries at a fraction of what it would cost to wire cash. Um, there's another one called Bill.com. The company's CEO, a guy named Rene Lexert, hopes that a day will come when businesses never have to write a check, which he said is not secure and a waste of paper. So he's trying to do paper check elimination, which saves 50% to 75% on back office related time and receive receivables two or three times faster. Crowdfunding is changing banking. Um, there's so many good stories as far as crowdfunding goes. Peer-to-peer uh, -peer financing. In 2013, $5.1 billion was raised, and that's skipping out banks. Um, that number should be easily $93 billion for small businesses to come up with ideas that they want to take forward and without going through the big, expensive um, bank process. Kickstarter is one of the companies. It's raised more than a million dollars on the site for iPhone dock, uh, a guy who wanted to create an iPhone dock. And 
you know, since a number of other companies have exceeded that amount, you know, including Oculus Rift, a virtual reality company that raised two and a half million. It was bought by Facebook for two billion last May. So there's one called Angel List that connects angel investors and venture capitalists. It's going to with startups that are looking for funding. Um, and Bitcoin is going to be a big changer. Uh, when Dish Networks and Chicago Sun Times and others are saying, you know, we'll take digital currencies, pay attention to companies like Coinbase. It's a big event coming up at the Elks Lodge in Palo Alto tomorrow night from 6.30 to 9. You can sign up for the event at robblack.com. That's robblack.com. It's on retirement. It's on income and retirement. It's on Social Security. Um, even if you're 10, 20 years away from it, this event will help you because you'll start asking the right questions and you'll know what lies ahead. So I ask that you give up two and a half hours of your time. Bring your portfolio. I'll go over it with you. Uh, you can sign up for the event at robblack.com. It's tomorrow night in Palo Alto at the Elks Lodge. The views and opinions expressed by Rob Black and his guests are not necessarily those of the Wall Street Business Network, this station, its management, owners, or advertisers, and should not be construed as legal, tax, or investment advice. Always consult with the appropriate advisor before making any investment or financial planning decision. Hi, I'm Layla Ali. I might be undefeated in professional boxing, but there's one problem even I can't fight alone. Childhood hunger. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.